you, me, and CRT. I'm not quite done talking about it on this episode of Pushback. If you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pushback. I'm Dr. Johnny, and I think I'm fully recovered. My voice is back, and I'm gung-ho to keep uh, and continuing the discussion on CRT. I'm hoping that you don't tune out of this discussion because it's so important. Um, Maybe you heard me chuckling a little bit in the intro. It's not because I think this topic is funny. I don't. In fact, I think it's very sensitive and very serious. I'm only chuckling because I always have so much to say about things (laughs) and maybe I'm just an opinionated guy uh, but I do feel like I'm passionate uh, about this topic and as I've mentioned on prior podcasts I refuse to just let it die let it let the conversation about racism just follow the bouncing ball from one crisis to the next Um, but we are the answer we actually have the answer Uh, because of who we are and what we were created to be by a loving father. And I'm confident in this. Um, The father loves the United States of America. He does. He cares about it. He's passionate about it. He wants it to thrive. And we are sent into the culture to be the the, the bearers, the light bearers of his kingdom here on this earth. And I'm just going to keep ringing that bell as long as he tells me to keep doing this podcast. And this idea of critical race theory, the, the topic of it, the severity of it, the importance of it isn't going to go away. And I kind of hope that it doesn't. I know this topic is tricky and I'm trying to kind of get down to some of the core issues um, that we as Christians need to be able to respond to um, and also have our eyes open. I don't think any of us are beyond education or beyond discussion or beyond reason. Um, I think that's all biblical, that we actually lean in and, and, and listen to our fellow Americans who are hurting. But we also have to have our eyes open to some of the ways and the means in which that is accomplished can actually be destructive. And that's what I want to talk about today. Um, you guys have certainly heard me in these first two sessions. The first, I was a little bit of a, almost an apologist for uh, the critical race theory because I believe that when it was released and when it was written, it actually came from sort of this place of longing, this place of hurt and pain and trying to connect with the culture of America saying there's some things that are inherently broken. And we need to have our eyes opened to see what those are so that we can bring healing. And I don't think that in and of itself is wrong. I believe that we need to always be willing to allow the Holy Spirit to examine ourselves and examine our cultures, examine the way that we treat each other so that we can be the healthiest, wholest society that we can possibly be. 
And so I think even the critical race theory can come from a place of, hey, everybody, would you just listen to what I have to say and hear my pain on this issue? And I think it would be wise that we do and that we hopefully are. But I also believe that it can be sometimes delivered to the wrong venue and the wrong audience. Um, and, and it can sometimes be in the wrong spirit and maybe even shot kind of out of the wrong canon. And I just want to talk about that very specifically today. You know, I can't even blame those who are proponents of the critical race theory um, for even trying to bring it to classrooms, schools, and to our young people. I understand maybe the strategy behind that um, because they might feel, hey, the adults aren't listening. Let's kind of go to the next generation and see if we can have some success there. But this idea of sort of indoctrinating our children um, uh, rather than educating our children are really two very different things. And I think we need to be very careful. I want to start this conversation uh, just with some more definition. I think that there is a a big difference, well, there is a difference between equality and equity. And inherent in the critical race theory is this notion of implementing equity. So let me explain what the difference is. Equality means that each individual or group of people is given the same resources or opportunities. Equity recognizes that each person has different circumstances and allocates the exact resources and opportunities needed to reach an equal outcome. Equality is about equal resources and opportunities. Equity is about equal outcome. Now that, my friends, gets very tricky. And it gets very tricky in this conversation. Equality treats two things as having the same value and then giving everybody the same thing. Equity is giving what is needed to be successful. Sort of making the claim that all things are not equal. Equality is giving, uh, this is at least a saying, equality is giving everyone a shoe. Equity is giving everybody a shoe that fits. <laughs> Those are very simplistic terms, kind of the famous picture that distinguishes um, equality and equity. I'll try to use my word pictures. It's easier to show you a picture. But imagine three people, one very tall, one medium height, and one very short, all trying to look over a fence to watch a baseball game. This is a famous picture describing equality versus equity. And only the tallest person can actually see over the fence and actually see the game. Now, equality. Equality would get, give everybody a box to stand on, all equal size. And in their example, the tallest people, the tallest person can actually see even much more clear, even though they could see before. The medium person wasn't able to see, but now can see. But the shortest person, given the equal box, still can't see because they had a different starting point. And so their solution is that the tall person should get no box. The middle person get one box and the shortest person get two boxes so that all can see. And that's called equity. And that is a, a desired outcome of the critical race theory is pursuing equity. But here's the problem. 
that, that I foresee and that sometimes we foresee as Christians. The problem is this. How do we determine who is the tall one and who is the short one? And the answer, the very simple answer to that question is skin color. Skin color. That's how we determine it. If you're white, you get no box. If you're black, you get the two boxes because of where we started. Now, on face value, you may say, well, that makes sense because the black person has started with so much less. And I get the picture behind it. But there still has to be a determination. And the determination is based on skin color and race. So I believe, and this has always been my heart in in doing these podcasts, is I just don't want to say, oh, this is wrong, and this is wrong, and this is wrong. But I actually want to be part of the solution. That's my heart. I want to begin a discussion where we as a culture can actually become healthy. And so I believe that we can find a target for healing and healthy culture. And then determine if what we are doing or proposing gets us further or closer to that target. So this is my proposal of what that target would be. I believe the target would be is that we understand that there are no races. You've heard me say this over and over again. If you've been listening to this faithfully every week, you're like, here he goes again. Biology has proven it. The Bible shows that we have no races, only one race. Biology shows that we have only one race, the human race. And yet, I believe what has happened, unfortunately, with this conversation is that we're actually doubling down on racism. We're doubling down on racism. And I believe that the things that we do are actually getting us further from the target than closer if we have to create equity based on skin color and the, and the test is, is how we allocate resources based on the way that you look, well, that sounds like racism to me. And that's the problem. That is the pushback to the critical race theory. And so when we look at things like affirmative action, which were, has been in place most of my lifetime, on the, on the surface, it may look like it's okay. But the problem is, is... I believe it not only gets us further from the target, and I think historically has proven that it's getting us further from the target, it actually becomes quite demeaning to the one in the example who we are calling short, <laughs> the short one. I think it's demeaning to the short one. I remember when I was applying for medical school, and I'm not saying this is right or wrong. I'm saying this was the reality. I was told at the University of Minnesota Medical School that they have an op- they only have four openings for white men. <laughs> now, there might be some who hearing this podcast and go, well, that sounds about right. I mean, there were thousands of applicants, and I knew I wasn't getting into the University of Minnesota because they had openings only for four white men. Not based on what I did or how hard I worked or what kind of person I was. It was based on my color of my skin and my gender. And my friends, that is the actual thing I believe that we are trying to combat. I believe that's getting us further from the target. 
when President Biden or or at that point candidate Biden said, "Who are you going to have as your vice president?" He said, "I don't know, but it's going to be a black woman." <laughs> he said that. I can show you the transcript. It's going to be a black woman. Well, there is something in me, there was something in my wife, something in my daughters that said, that sounds very demeaning. How about you pick the one who's most qualified? And if it happens to be a black woman, great. But he was determining the outcome. He said this again about this possible Supreme Court nominee. Well, it's going to be a black woman. Or a woman of color. My friends, I feel like we're missing We're swinging, but we're missing, and we're getting further and further from the goal, which is what Martin Luther King was dreaming about. I have a dream that people would not be judged on the color of their skin, but on the character of their heart. Wow. I believe now more than ever we are being judged on the color of our skin, and I believe, unfortunately, The critical race theory has doubled down on that and has made it more prominent. There's something called a Rooney rule in the NFL, which we've been paying close attention to uh, because the Vikings are in the process of hiring a new head coach. And the Rooney rule, and I I probably should have researched this better, but they, they make a provision that every team has to hire, I'm sorry, correction, has to interview um, X number of uh, minorities for the head coaching position. It's called the Rooney Rule. And I, I'm telling you, it feels demeaning. And there's been a problem. And and Coach Flores from Miami, long story, is actually filing a civil lawsuit against the NFL because of these practices. But he has to feel demeaned by it because if you're being forced to interview somebody, there's probably very little intention that you're going to hire them. Now, of course, of course, the heart behind the rule is get these people in front of the management and they're going to wow them and they're going to get hired. And that sounds good, but it typically doesn't work that way. These are things that are getting, I believe, us getting us further from what we are trying to accomplish. I just want to read an article. I was going to try to summarize it, but I think it's going to be better if I just read it um, because it really has such a good point and such an alignment with my podcast. This is written by Ryan Bangert. Uh, This was just January 26, 22. So this just came out and I found it under the uh, um, Real Clear Politics um, um, uh, uh, website and under the Real Clear Religion section. And the title is Racism is Wrong, but Anti-Racism Does Not Belong in Schools. So let me just read this. This isn't very long. Modern anti-racism ideology is now pretty well known, and on the surface, it sounds like a good idea. After all, who doesn't want to be against racism? The problem is that anti-racism is a linguistic trick. Instead of condemning all forms of racism, it seeks to combat one form of racism with another. By doing so, it only perpetuates racial division and strife, harming everyone. How should Christians understand the difference between a common-sense opposition to racism and the ideology of anti-racism? Let's compare the two ways of addressing this issue. In 2007, U.S. Supreme Court Chief Justice John Roberts authored an opinion in a case that addressed the legality of plans used by two public school districts to assign students to specific schools. Both schools employed racial quotas to make the assignments. In striking down the quotas, Roberts memorably stated, 
The way to stop discrimination on the basis of race is to stop discriminating on the basis of race. Contrast that to another memorable line, this time from author uh, Ibram X. Kendi. I've actually quoted him before in a previous podcast. In his 2019 book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, Kendi, a well-known scholar and proponent of anti-racism ideology, opined, The only remedy to racist discrimination is anti-racist discrimination. The only remedy to past discrimination is present discrimination. And the only remedy to present discrimination is future discrimination. I think both Roberts and Kendi would agree that racism, harboring animosity and hatred for others based on their race and treating them differently based on race, is a great moral evil. Not only that, I think both would agree that racism continues to afflict American society and that work must be done to end it. They part company, however, on how to combat racism. One would call for an end to all racial discrimination. The other would fight fire with fire, so to speak, by meeting one form of bigotry with another. Unfortunately, several public school districts across America are rejecting Robert's vision in favor favor of Kendi's take. Uh, Albemarle County Public Schools in Virginia has adopted an anti-racism policy in February 2019. And they said, are you going to be on the anti-racism school bus or not? And so what does it mean to be on the anti-racism school bus in Albemarle County? The answer given by the district has been simple and direct. For white students, this is becoming aware of and repenting for white privilege. And for everyone, it's fighting against and dismantling white dominant culture. Through its implementation of this policy, the district has indoctrinated staff and students alike in bizarre understanding of racism and race relations. Staff were told that racism is the subordination of people of color by white people. Students, in turn, were taught that racism is the marginalization and or oppression of people of color based on socially constructed racial hierarchy that privileges white people. All right, let's see if I can get through these next couple paragraphs. Moreover, students were told that people who are white, middle class, Christian, and cisgender comprise a dominant culture who chose the damage and rules. While black, brown, indigenous people of color of the global majority, queer, transgendered, non-binary folks, cisgendered women, youth, Muslim, Jewish, Buddhist, atheist, non-Christian folks, neurodiverse folks with disabilities, and folks living in poverty were all part of the subordinate culture. Anti-racism, then, means fighting against the dominant culture by contesting white supremacy, white dominant culture, and unequal institutions in society. Some of those racist institutions include such things as believing in colorblindness, remaining apolitical, believing there are two sides to every story, and holding the wrong views on political issues like border security, immigration, criminal justice reform, and school financing. There is much more, but these examples drive home the point. And that, and that same duty compels us to reject and condemn the Albemarle County Public Schools curriculum. Why? Because it labels, divides, stigmatizes, and condemns students based on race. For some, they are labeled and condemned solely based on their race as part of a dominant culture that perpetually oppresses others. For others, they are labeled and stigmatized as part of a subordinate culture that is perpetually oppressed. For both, their race becomes the defining characteristic in their life, not their moral character, and certainly not their status as infinitely valued creations. 
of a loving God. At its core, anti-racism, which draws heavily upon modern critical race theory, locates evil outside the human heart in institutions and hierarchies of oppression, and it locates the solution in dismantling those structures. That won't work, of course, because in the timeless words of Alexander Soltzheitzen, <laughs> the line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor between classes, nor between political parties either, but right through every human heart and through all human hearts. There has to be a target. And I don't understand why colorblindness has become a target, has, has not become the target. I shared with you the famous Morgan Freeman uh, interview about Black History Month. And he said, basically, I don't want Black History Month. And they asked him, well, what are you going to do about racism? And he said, stop talking about it. I'm going to stop calling you a white man, and I will ask you to stop calling me a black man. Now, while I don't believe the answer is to stop talking about it, I do believe the answer is to stop calling people white men and calling other people black men. I do believe there's an answer there and it's a target. And if you look at the responses on YouTube, everybody's like, yeah, Morgan Freeman, Morgan Freeman for president. <laughs> and yet we don't adopt it. We stand away from it. We say colorblindness is counterproductive. Samantha Vicente, and not surprisingly from an article by Oprah Daily, on June 12th, 2020, says the idea of colorblind society, while well-intentioned, leaves people without the language to discuss race and examine their own bias. Colorblindness relies on the concept that race-based differences don't matter and ignores the realities of systemic racism. Unfortunately, however, I can say firsthand that some people still really don't want to talk about it at all. They'll be the first to tell you they don't have a racist bone in their bodies and they don't care if you're white, black, purple, blue, etc. In fact, they say they're colorblind, meaning they don't even see race. And that refusal to see it often goes hand in hand with an urgent desire to stop discussing racial disparities as soon as possible. Well, my friends, I have a better idea. I have a better idea. Have the target be colorblindness and have an urgent desire to talk about racial disparities. Why can't it be a both and? The concern about colorblindness is that we're just going to say, ah, there are no races like I've been saying. And so we're just not going to talk about it. And these things will never be addressed. Why can't it be both and? That's what I am doing on this podcast every week. We're talking about these are real problems that need to be addressed. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about why we are not colorblind. Can we have the Holy Spirit examine our own hearts? Because it starts with our hearts. In what ways are we not colorblind? In what ways are institutions in our society have we not been colorblind? But it leaves the target in place, which I believe is colorblindness. If people are using colorblindness to ignore racist problems, then don't let them ignore it. Challenge them to be part of the solution. Say, oh great, you're colorblind. Then certainly you will agree that these practices are not colorblind and get them on your side. Let them be part of the solution rather than condemn them as the principal problem. See, it always goes back to two things. It goes back to the work of the heart. I did a whole series on William Wilberforce. Please go back and listen to those. As slavery is much more of an overt problem that he tackled and changed in one generation, I gr grant it. 
There is still a problem of racism in our country, and it has to be addressed at the level of the heart, always the heart. And if you change the hearts of the people, guess what? The culture changes. And the second thing is it always has to be done in a place of honor. As soon as we say, you are the problem, as soon as we addressing people in dishonor and, and putting them under our feet, we've actually, we're actually not accomplishing the very things that we're trying to accomplish. I've said this so often, honor is the, what opens the door to dialogue and real solutions. Isn't that what we want? That's what I want. I'm not sitting here as a white man saying that I'm completely colorblind. That's my goal though. That's my target. I believe that we're onto something here, that there are no races. And I believe that's the answer. That's the ultimate answer. And every decision, every proposition, every proposal that we make before our culture has to be, are we getting closer or further to the target by implementing this proposal? That's a, that's a way a healthy society approaches that. I believe that we can change the way that we talk, the way that we think, the way that we see these things. And I believe the Holy Spirit can do that for those of us who are Christians and are connected to his culture and to his spirit. He will open those places in us so that we bring healing, so that we're able to talk about this in a real and constructive way. And we can change culture with it. Would you please go to pushbackculture.org and leave your comments, questions, concerns? I appreciate so many. I, I read about this 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 um, Albemarle County in Virginia. I've gotten a lot of feedback about schools and counties right here in Minnesota that are struggling with this issue. I believe that closing our eyes and shutting it down and saying we want no part of this does not get us closer to the solution. I believe that pointing fingers and, and calling people white supremacists does not get us closer to the solution. And that's my heart. And I believe that we can do that by exposing, exposing what is happening, but also continuing to discuss it from the level of our heart and from a place of honor. I believe we can do it. <laughs> I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't think that we could do it. Will you join me? So let's go together now to set and shape the culture. <laughs>